0: Take your Bibles now, open them up with me to Luke chapter 5, and as we're getting more and more impressed with and in love with Jesus, and that was my specific prayer on the way over here, is that we would be impacted by God's word and in love with Jesus Christ, that you would be impressed with him as you go your way today, just more drawn to Jesus, more surprised by Jesus. So I'm going to pray now and ask God to bless this time as we study together and apply it to our hearts. Father, in Jesus' name, we're here In your house, studying your book. And we know that by doing so, Lord, you're honored and you're pleased, that you're energized, that you're excited, that we would choose that this day. And I pray, God, that as we have chosen wisely to seek you, that you, Lord, would reward us with finding you. That each man, every woman, Lord, all the kiddos, all the old people, the folks in the back wings doing Sunday school, would all, Lord, be impacted by the truth of God, the person of God, and dare I say, most importantly, the very power of God. We need the power. We need things to change in our life. We need things to be undone that have been done wrong. We need things to be provided that haven't been given. We need things to be replaced that have been forfeited through sin. And I pray in Jesus' name today that all of us who are in the same battle would find ourselves linked together and equipped and able to move forward. God, we ask that you would bless this time. I surrender myself to you. You know my limitations today. I pray in Jesus' name that your power would be sufficient for our needs and that your power would be in your word. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, as we study through Luke's gospel, Luke, the writer, Luke, the historian, Luke, the doctor, Luke, the apostle, Luke, the friend, Luke, the servant of the gospel, he records for us these stories, I believe, in divine order. Now, if you study the Bible chronologically, you can compare Mark and Matthew and Luke and John and kind of see a difference of the actual chronological history of Jesus. But Luke records this in such a way so we might really understand that Luke saw Jesus as fully God and fully man. And he was here on purpose, ministering to folks like you and to me. And the stories he highlights for us are for our learning and for our benefit. And the last story, you guys remember, he took Peter fishing. He preached a sermon right to him and used his boat, used his line, used his nets. And he eventually got Peter to go fishing with him, not for fish, but for men. He said, Pete, let's go do stuff. Let's go do other things for God. And you could ask yourself, well, they just caught a whole bunch of fish. They're doing miracles. What's the next thing we're going to do, Jesus? You ever wonder what the next thing Jesus is going to do in your life? Most of you, like me, want God to do big things and grand things, to take you out on more miracles, to walk on water, to put more nets down and catch more fish, maybe open up your own fish peddler market or something like that. You know, Lord, let's do this. Fish sticks for Jesus. And that would be what I would imagine. As a matter of fact, there is this draw to signs and wonders and miracles and power. And in reality, this next story we're going to see is a sign, it's a wonder, it's a miracle. But it's more focused, it's more personal, it's more intimate, and it's more necessary than just putting down a bunch of nets and pulling up fish. I like that story. Just pull up a bunch of fish, take care of all our needs, provision, miracles, power. In the next story, we see a man who had nothing going for him, everything against him. Unable to move forward in his own life. And Jesus says, that's the next person we're going to minister to. Not so much the multitudes. Not so much the fish. Not so much the power for everyone to enjoy. But for one individual to be completely set free. For one person. See, Jesus is so fun to study. Because he was available to the masses. To the groups. To the people. To the crowds. He was there. He loved them. But he also would not hesitate to minister to the one To to the youngster, to the older person, to the handicapped, to the the outcast. And if you and I would decide today, let's just be a part of what Jesus is doing. We're going fishing. All right, let's do it. We're going to a leper colony. All right, you can do it. You know, whatever. did Did you catch that? All right, let's do it. And you get involved in what Jesus would have you get involved with. Let's just read this story and then I'll preach and hopefully we can make some application. Here's what it says in verse 12. And it happened when he was in a certain city that behold a man who was full of leprosy. wouldn't you like to go to a party and on the name tag it says, hello, my name is Full of Leprosy. <laughs> I mean, that's his name. His name's not listed here. We don't know the guy's name. It's not like James or John or you know, something. He's like, no, that's the Full of Leprosy guy. And yet he made the book and he made a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because there's people here today that either A, you were full of leprosy, okay, spiritually, Or even maybe today you're 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 tainted by it still. You've come in here today and you're like, man, I hope nobody sees this. Hope nobody can smell that. Hope nobody can sense this. I'll talk about leprosy in just a minute, but that's how it worked in those days. It was a it was a secret rash. At least that's how it started, and then it would grow and it would multiply and it would feed. And there's a, a a typology in the scriptures with leprosy that is likened directly unto sin, problems, battles character issues in our own lives this guy's name full of leprosy if you would check it out verse 12 please it says he saw jesus and he fell on his face and he implored him saying lord if you are willing you can make me clean well then he put out his hand that's jesus christ put his hand out and he touched him before he even spoke a word maybe simultaneously I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but you don't touch lepers. I don't care if you're the high priest or if you've got a long stick, you've got the surgical gloves, you know, the latex, whatever. You don't know. Jesus is a little different. And he reaches out and he touches this man. And he says this in verse 13. I am willing. Then there's a pause. And there's an imperative command. Be cleansed. As if there's a cooperation on his end to the miracle. Not just Jesus making the leprosy go away, although that is happening. Jesus exposes his heart. I'm willing. I'd love you to be set free. That's my heart. Now, be cleansed. As if there's something in his own receptor, something within his own cooperation and receiving of this miracle that is necessary Because I believe that the Lord is a gentleman That the Lord co-ops with you and I And will do to you nothing That you don't want him to do He will do for you nothing That you are not willing to participate as well In the healing, whether it's a sickness Or a sin Or a habit or a hang-up or hurt He's willing You know that about him, don't you? But he puts... The power in his own hands And he puts dare I say The choice in ours Be cleansed There's a saying I said it I didn't make it up Without him I can't Without me He won't This cooperation Without him I can't do these things I can't do it But without me He won't (laughs) Lord, would you provide for my needs? Lord, would you do this? Would you eradicate that? Would you heal this? Would you deliver me from that which is tearing me apart? And the Lord says, I'm willing now be delivered, be healed. Stop it, quit it, right? And we'll get into that. This is what's happening. At least in the tense, it's, a, it's an imperative tense in the Greek there. Be cleansed. We'll check it out. Immediately the leprosy left him. We'll look at that in a second. Verse 14, and he charged him to tell no one. We can really only speculate why Jesus said this early on in his ministry, trying to avoid the mayhem and the crowds and the circus, trying to just kind of stay low before he would indeed stick his neck out and get killed. Okay? He knew he was going to get killed. he's going to draw attention, but not now. We're not exactly positive. I'll make some thoughts. Um, it says in verse 14, though, not only don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded However, the report went around concerning him all the more Luke's gracious, he doesn't tell us how the report went around The uh, Gospel of Mark tells us that this guy started telling everybody he saw <laughs> Jesus is like, don't tell nobody, just go right to church and let those guys know And he's like, I'm here, I'm here, you know, pulling people out of their car And the word reported went all over the place Well, great multitudes then, check it out Came to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities That is by Jesus Verse 16, so, so thoughtful Jesus is, and this is where we'll end today. Uh, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. This story, right after he gets some boys to go with them, James, Peter, John, Andrew. Guys, done doing your own thing? You done fishing? You done trying it, trying it your way? You, you done? You done resisting my call? Let's go. And they begin to walk. And the first at-bat with Jesus Christ, at least in this story, is the guy that nobody wanted to mess with a thing that nobody wanted to do, a portion of the ministry of the church that nobody wanted to step up and lead in. And I would just right out the, out the gate here say, what is God maybe calling you to do in following him? Oh, I'm going to follow Jesus. It's going to be so rad. And Jesus says, look over here. You're like, well, I'm not going to follow you there, bro. You're like, that's where you, I'll be out here. And Jesus is radical. He goes into areas and places and with people that You, in your own selfishness, and your own smallness, you wouldn't do. This is on purpose, in, in my opinion, to express and to illustrate and to teach, to demonstrate and to make seeable for you and I, the real heart of God. We'll talk about this in a minute when I get to the verses where he reaches out and touches this guy. But how's your heart towards the real down and out? Maybe you're like me and you see the hurting, the real oppressed, the homeless... The, the professional homeless, the ones that are just, they're, they, know, they don't have any desire to get better and there's nowhere for them to go. And you're like me, you're like, ah, I don't have anything for you. So therefore, I'm just going to kind of keep my focus. I'm going to go right into Fred Myers and I'm going to get my produce organic, you know. <laughs> and you're I don't know what to give you. I don't have what you need. And I wonder if the boys were with Jesus, like, dude, that guy has leprosy. There's no known cure for leprosy, Jesus, like. What we do for lepers is we provide a colony for them where they can go peacefully die. And if we see them in public, we've been instructed through the law to grab rocks and throw them at them. That was what they did in those days. Jesus like, nah, nah, I'm going to bring the power of heaven upon this person. We're going to get there in a few minutes. Let's just read it verse by verse and study this out. Otherwise, we'll be here all day. Uh, it says this in verse 1. And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. And he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I like how Luke doesn't name the city. He's just in a certain city. He's a scholar. He's a doctor. Like, give us the real details here. What, what city was this? He's like, well, it, it just doesn't matter. All that matters was who was in the city. It was in a certain city that... Jesus was there. Did you notice that in your, in your Bible? The city, the details, the times and places aren't as important as who's there. Well, what city? Where was it? The what and the where? Eh, who? Who? It's all about Jesus Christ. We're going to see this throughout the gospel. That's why we're studying this. Sometimes you guys want to have the details and what's going to happen and where's it going to go. Is Jesus part of it? Yeah. Well, oh, We're good to go. We're good to go. On Friday or maybe it was Tuesday. I can't remember what date. What day is today? Sunday? That's why you guys are all here. This is weird. Okay. And so on Tuesday, I scheduled myself in Florence, and I had some meetings down there. And as I was cruising through Newport to come to the church first, I saw these hitchhikers on the side of the road. And I thought to myself, ooh, I'm going to get those guys. (laughs) And I really just had this kind of heart. I was like, I'm going to get them in my car. I'm going to take them to heaven. These guys, I'm going to get these guys, whoever they are. And so I went to the church here, and I did some stuff. And I went back into Newport to find these hitchhikers, and they were gone. Oh, I was bummed. I cleaned my whole car out, made room for him and everything. And so I just cruised. And so I picked up Jesus instead. So him and I were cruising. And when we got to Walport on the side of the road, there they were on the outskirts of town right there by Copeland Lumber. And I was like, yeah, here's the funny part. I got this blacked out Tahoe, right? It kind of looks like an undercover cop car. And I'm okay with that. I like it. It's kind of fun. And these two guys were playing Frisbee on the side of the road like some jugglers or something. And I pulled over and run over one of their Frisbees, just kind of pull over fast. And they thought they were getting arrested for playing Playing Frisbee on 101, and I jump out of my car, and I said, get in, you know, and and so they got in. Here, my point is this, though. There's a point. I was just telling you the fun parts of the story. They thought they were in trouble, and... Uh, their names were adam and dom and adam was from london and dom was from ireland and they were hitchhiking and they were just traveling the country on their way to san francisco and they let me know right off the bat what they were all about and where they were going and looking for a party here and a party there and they're real nice sophisticated guys you know and like hitchhiking on purpose okay it's a different kind of hitchhiking (laughs) they're on purpose they got phones and cameras and we're gonna go party and about eight minutes into the drive i'm just waiting for my big opportunity here and they said, so what do you do? What do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And there was silence. <laughs> Not just silence, but stared silence, like staring at me. like Because <laughs> nothing added up until the, nothing added up. Guy with the beard, the glass, the car, like. And so he even asked, he's like, or Adam was up front from London. He's like, you mean, you mean like one who, who, who like. Preach you, preach? you preach? You know, you're a preach? You can do that kind of pastor? I was like, yeah, that kind of pastor. And it's still silence, you know? And, but they were real, real inquisitive. And here's the point, whole point. And so how did that happen? How in the world did you become a pastor? How in the world? And I, just, I told him, here's the deal. I said, in 1998, I got out of jail. I always like to start my testimony with kind of some raw truth. Got, you know, now they're, now they're seeing if the door locks work, you know? And they <laughs> We're good right here, bro. Seal Rock. That's where we're going. Seal Rock. <laughs> this will be fine, sir. And I told my just a short... I said, when I got out of jail, I said I went to church. It's the first place I started going to. And when I went to church, a man got up on stage and he preached out of the Bible. And I'm just telling this while I'm driving. It's a real kind of holy moment. I said, he preached something out of the Bible. And it went into my head and down into my heart. And it changed my life forever. And there was like this bubble of silence. And the next question, what did he say? <laughs> and they wanted, what, what did he say that changed your whole life? And I was like, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. Because I don't remember. But it changed my life. Here Luke is saying, in some certain city, Jesus was there. What city was it, Luke? I don't remember. That's not the point. The point is Jesus was changing lives forever. And you might not even remember your total testimony. But if you're a believer here and you were a leper, that is, outside of the camp of God, plagued with things you couldn't overcome, wrecking other people's lives in your path. The, The illustrations go on and on. And then something happens in a certain city. The details are fuzzy, but Jesus showed up, and everything changed. And you don't know how it all happened, and you don't have all of the history, but the main big idea is Jesus was there, and Jesus did it. And I told those guys. I kept going back, and every Sunday was the same. More life-changing things going from that man's lips, from that book to his lips to my mind to my heart, and everything changed. And they begin to ask about what happened next. And I told them the rest of my story. The point is for you and I, Jesus, wherever he's at, he he changes things. Once, forever, but then continually as you progress. You who have been believers for a while now, you know what it's like to either go on a road trip with Jesus or without Jesus. You know, how many people are crying in the back seat and all the rest. Or you know what it's like to go on a date with your spouse with Jesus or without Jesus. Or how to run your finances with Jesus or without you. When Jesus shows up, the details might be fuzzy, but man, things are awesome. Things get right. Things get fun. Things are, I don't know, they're different. As a matter of fact, even just on Friday, maybe it was. It's a busy day. driving. I wasn't driving yet, but I was a busy day, and I just was, you know, trying to do things. And all of a sudden, I texted my, my barber, Pablo Tofoya. I said, hey, you got any openings? He said, yeah, I got one at 7.30. It was 7.20 p.m. I said, you mean now? He said, yeah, now. So I told my wife and kids I'd be back. I had to get my hair cut. And I jumped in the car. and just my own story. I'm just driving down. All of a sudden, I just realized how blessed I was. I just took Jesus with me on that trip. I'm not saying I didn't have Jesus with me with me the whole day, but you can ask my family. I didn't have Jesus with me the whole day. You know what I'm saying? I don't remember the details. They might, but I don't. And I was just—I just—it was so fun. Jesus was there, and I rolled my window down so I wouldn't jam my fingers. As I put my hand out the window and just praised Him, just drive him down, and I got to my barber, my friend, really. We had a great talk about the Lord, great time there. And then right after that, I walked out, and it was about 8.30, 8.45 now. It's late. And I had a plan. I was like, you know what? I told my wife, I said, I need to go. I'm going to leave tonight, and I'm going to go watch the sunset by myself. I just got to go do that. need some me and Jesus time. And it was 8.45. The sun was setting at 8.55, and it was perfect timing. And I got out and was able to drive to jump off Joe there and saw the most epic sunset I let my music at that time, I'm just sharing my stories this morning, I'm sorry about that. I let my music just play on shuffle mode, and this one divinely chosen Beastie Boy song came on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> who, uh, you guys are crazy. No, this one song came on about the Lord, spoken word about Jesus and who Jesus is and all that he's done for us. And I, just, I couldn't believe it, watching this sunset with Jesus, hearing about Jesus and worship wherever Jesus is. Okay, and if you're a Christian here, you experienced this once when you were delivered, but now you need to allow him more opportunity in your marriage and where you're at. As a matter of fact, read verse 12 with me again. It says, and it happened when he was in a certain city, that's Jesus, he was there, that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. Okay, that's the big idea to see him. This guy was there previously. This guy woke up a leper in this town that's unnamed. He himself doesn't have a name. And all of a sudden, he sees Jesus. And things are about to get real. His hand's about to go up outside the window. He's about to have something come on shuffle mode that is godly and reverent and life-changing. It's just things are going to happen. When? When you see Jesus. And my, my strong admonition to you and I is choose, if you're a Christian... Choose to see Jesus, look for him in your relationships early on, in your finances, in your day, in your dinners, in your whatever you're doing. Just look for him. He's right there. Don't raise your hand, but have you gone a day or two or a week or seven missing him? You're a Christian, praise God. But you just got in the hustle and the bustle, and you forgot, and you got in the flesh, and you you forgot. Jesus is right there. He's right there. Well, this guy, this leper, hmm. He's not had a good life up until this point. As a matter of fact, let's just talk about leprosy uh, for just a few moments here, lest you miss this. Most of you who are Bible students have heard this word before, especially in the Scriptures. Leprosy is in the Scriptures, Old and New Testament. It's a type of sin. It's a picture of sin. When you see lepers or leprosy, it's speaking of the realities and implications of sin. It starts small. Usually it's hidden. It's hidden. Under the skin, actually, physiologically is where it starts. You can't actually see it. It's a little bump or a little rash. And you think, "Oh, that's no big deal. I'll just kind of pull my sleeve down over that, little bad boy and hope that goes away. Like we treat sin often. It's not that big a deal. It's kind of weird. I probably shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have thought that, shouldn't have been there. But I'll just go ahead and cover that up a little bit. And it starts to then multiply and grow. Now, leprosy, truly, leprosy feeds on your skin, begins to multiply and begins to decay slowly. It moves swiftly. And ultimately, crazy, it impacts everything. It can't be left isolated it will ultimately permeate your whole entire body. There's no cure at that time, and even today's cures are sketchy, and it's not just a dry skin or itchy rash, you might think, like just, oh, yeah, I got some, you know, I got some stuff. No, no. This is going to take you out, just like sin. And in our lives, when sin creeps up and shows up, we tend to justify it. Maybe you don't, but I've known, I've known people, there's one guy I see in the mirror once in a while, We justify it. We minimize. Just I'll throw some ladle cane on there, line cane. Put something on there. Put some whatever. And the Lord's like, no, that needs to be dealt with. That's not going to go well for you in the long run. It has no desire to just go Unaddressed It will take you off As a matter of fact uh, Leprosy will eventually begin to uh, Eat away at the digits of your body Your fingers will begin to be impacted And they'll fall off Your actual hands will fall off It'll impact your mucous membranes And your eyeballs will begin to be infected And your eyesight will go Your nose will disappear And your ears will come off And eventually Now while all that's happening okay, Here's the crazy part You are in an immense And intense amount of pain I mean, it sounded painful just describing it, right? But don't be deceived. It's not just, oh, my arm fell off. I didn't even feel it. No, you felt it. And the pain, not just physically, but the pain socially. Okay, It's sin. It's a picture. Sin wrecks us. It starts small, and it's usually hidden, but gone unaddressed. It will multiply. Mark my words. Sin that's not dealt with will multiply. It will become worse. It will fester. It will grow. And it seeks only to plague and to destroy and eventually to kill you. As a matter of fact, it was the beginning of the walking dead. People with leprosy, they were alive but dead because of their condition. They had no place in society, no power, no peace, no presence, yet they're alive. Don't raise your hand. But have you ever been so jacked up in sin, so messed up with by the devil's ploys, that you find yourself kind of like the walking dead. You've been there before, just engaged in the wrong things, thinking the wrong way, and all of a sudden you feel like you're getting eaten up from the inside out, and things aren't working right, and you're in pain, and you're inconsequential to the people around you. You have nothing to offer. Ding, 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 ding. So sin does every single time. So we see this picture here. Jesus just got done assembling his boys, and now he's going to take them as missionaries to go change the world, and they're thinking more miracles and more power and more fun. He's like, let's go heal people. Let's go find some people that no one can help. Let's go find a leper. Let's go find some. Let's show heaven on earth. Well, this guy, he's cooperating quite well. He sees Jesus. Look at verse 12 again. There's so much in verse 12. I just... I sat, or rather laid down on my couch last night and read this and typed out some notes. And it happened, it says, verse 12, I'm just going to read it again. When he was in a certain city, that's Jesus, that behold, a man who was full of leprosy. Luke again, the doctor, not just saying he has leprosy, but this guy's full of it. How long has he had it? doesn't say a year or two, ten on his deathbed. Was his nose gone? Was he all bandaged up like a mummy? In that day, you were not allowed to be in the town. You were not allowed to be in public with leprosy because it was highly contagious. You had to be out. So yet somehow, this guy sees Jesus and begins to approach him. This guy understands his own need. It says here in verse 12 again, he was full that he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Stop right there, I up here. When it says he fell on his face, how many of you guys think that that's like kind of poetic or maybe a little dramatic? Here's the deal. This guy had no choice but to fall on his face, okay? There was no grace involved with this guy and his condition. He didn't get to one knee and then to the other and bow down, prostrate. The pain that he was in, the inability to walk, when he saw Jesus and it says he fell to his face, he fell to his face. He's in a place in his life where he no longer can take he no longer can handle. He no longer can deal with that which is ravishing him. And he sees the possibility, the hope of an answer. And he responds properly. I'm just going to let you know that as we see this picture, this is all symbolizing the same way we come to Christ. Okay? And I don't know about your story, but I believe That if you truly are walking with Christ, if you truly have submitted your life to Christ, if you are in awe of Christ, there was a moment in your life where you too fell on your face through ultimate pain. Maybe it wasn't just the pain outwardly. Maybe it was the pain inwardly, a loss, a devastation, an understanding of the crushing disappointment of this world. This world is so jacked up and you see Jesus and you have no regal answer to produce except your own submission to him. That's the way it works. Did you notice that here he calls him Lord? He, he worked, the religious people at that time, they wouldn't give him that title. Like, don't call him Lord. This guys a weird rabbi. We're going to take him out. This guy in his place of needs is not. Nah. He's, the, he's, he's what I need. He is the Lord. And when he bows down, not only is it a condition of humility and brokenness, but it's also a condition of dedication and commitment. The same way you come to Christ, you must come humbly. How do you get humbled? Eee. There's a couple different paths. Eee through your own mistakes your own failures that's my story my own humility which was purchased through humiliation which is purchased through folly led me to my collapse my collapse to Christ humility your own humiliation you can also be humbled though by the sheer pain and weight of the world and the mistakes and the sin and the injustice and the depravity and the issues that are prevalent even today God says hey that's still happening what's the point why is this happening Lord to give you an opportunity to be humbled right now God's putting pressure on you and on me right now some of it's induced by our stupid decisions Some of it, though, is just because the world's crazy and the Lord would look to you and say, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Are you going to fall to your face? Call me Lord? Then it goes on to say that he implored him. It's a pretty crazy word. We don't use it anymore. My kids implore things for me all day long. (laughs) To beg and to ask, to whine, to request, to implore, to demand until you get your way. That's what this guy did. Just imagine this. Now, you Christians, again, how you got to be Christians. This had to have happened somewhere. You might know, not know all the details. Okay, you might not remember the certain city, but Jesus was there. And I fell on my face. I recognized him as my Lord. And then I implored him for my situation. I begged of him. I had no other choice. It wasn't, all right, Lord, I'm going to meet you 50 this 50. This isn't how Christianity works. Lord I see you got a pretty cool thing going I do too And I'd like to join forces with you <laughs> Through our combined power My wit and your reputation We can change the world <laughs> And Lord says no You're going to have to go another, another route on the, the humility track Just another route This one I'll get you on this, this track is going to wear you down until, yeah, until you get to that place where you're like, whoa, Lord, I, am, I implore you. What does that look like? The boy's walking with Jesus. Dude, let's just keep going. This guy's getting weird. Guy just fell on his face. Just keep moving, keep moving. All of a sudden, he's reaching out, imploring. What did that look like? Yelling, begging, screaming. You're my only answer. Whoa. Are you willing? He knew he could, just like you guys all know, God can do anything, okay? He can do, he can do anything. It's just, is, is he willing? It's a good question. Is he willing to, to minister to my needs right now? Is he willing? That's what he asked. If you're looking for a biblical answer, are you willing, Lord? Is this your will to set me free, to deliver me from this leprosy, from this infection, from this plague that I've got? Now, here's some, some thoughts, though, about this particular man. He, he fell and he implored. Why? Because he needed to be changed—that's a given. Okay, the guy's not—you know—just needs a new hoodie. Just need a new hoodie to cover this up. Do you have any extra-large hoodies? I just need an extra-large hoodie to cover up my leprosy. Can be one arm—that's okay. I only got one left, you know. I—you know—just one arm. That's a good one. No, no. He had no choice. And the Lord is so patient. If you're here this morning and you still think you have choices, like you're like, "Well, I'm cool," you know, I like what you guys are what you stand for and i really like the morals of Christianity. i really appreciate that it's really good stuff and you're here and you're wondering i I just don't see myself as part of the problem i'm not in that leprous camp you're describing or i don't know if i really want to fall down and implore him and the lord is patient okay he will he will allow you some more time to come to that conclusion And it will be painful, and it will hurt, and your collapse will be real, and you will tap out, and Jesus will be there, and he will be willing. This is who he is. He's so patient. I remember when I tapped out after running for three years. Doing my own thing Just creating leprosy in my own soul Sharing it with others Just wrecking lives And when I came to that conclusion Lord are you willing And the Lord I am willing Now be cleansed Of course I'm willing Let's do this Let's do this Let's do this And the disciples How are we going to do this And Jesus reaches out And touches him Touch him don't touch him. Just say the word, Jesus. Just say it. You don't need to touch him. What are you touching him for? Now, did Jesus need to touch him? No, Jesus could have just waved a hand over like, you know, be healed. You know? Jesus could have picked up some mud and, like, made mud, just, like, thrown it at him across the, you know, right in the face. and Mud becomes a nose. Get it to anything. Right? Here's the crazy part. Somebody here right now wants Jesus to heal them. I need Jesus to deal with this. But I just, I just want him to just take it away. Just take it away. I just want him to speak a word, just a divine word. It's gone. Jesus says, you know what? I love you with or without the leprosy. Like, I'm just in love with you. That doesn't stop me. My love's already there. But I want to be intimate with you. I want to, I want to actually I want to get into your life. I don't just want to give you the answers for your questions. That's... It's great. But he actually wants to do life with you and become closer to you. I'm living my life. And I'm processing Christianity and processing life and ministry and love. And there's certain things where I want to know, Lord, what does this mean? And how's that gonna work? And would you just send me an email? I gotta go. And you want the Lord to like, you know, double click or send you something or give you the, the divine. He's like, no, Luke, I wanna. I want to get closer to you. I'm not just going to give you the best devotional book in the world to read, you and yourself and Max Lucado or whoever. I would rather be in your life. Jesus crossing all bounds here touches him. Now, this guy, he knew he needed to be changed. That's a given, and he wanted to be changed, and that's when it's given. You're here today. You might know you need to change. I know I gotta do this, I know I gotta do this, but I'm just gonna try and do it the the cleaner way where nobody knows and Jesus doesn't have to touch me and I don't have to do anything. Listen, when you want to be changed, you need to be changed, so do I. Okay, there's just stuff. But when you want to, that's when it's actually given. When there's something that's eating you up or plaguing you, and I hope the Holy Spirit is speaking to somebody here this morning Where you would say, I I am maybe a Christian, but I've got this thing in my life. I've got this issue. Or maybe I'm not a Christian here. and I don't know. I just feel humbled and I want to be dedicated. And what is God doing here? I would say that today's the answer. Today's the day. This man, by the way, before he received any healing whatsoever, acknowledged him both as Lord and worshiped him. Fully submitted, fully humbled, fully committed to him. Saw that he was Lord. The religious people of that day wouldn't have given Jesus this title And that bothers me a little bit See, when you realize that you have no option at all You see Jesus as the Lord Not just a hand out or a step up People have often said that Christianity is a crutch For weak-minded people you ever heard that before? Man, they're not even close. They're not even close. It's a mortuary for dead people. <laughs> crutch, that'd be nice. I just need a crutch. I need a little crutch. I'm not doing so good. I need a little Christianity to get me to walk right. You know, it's a crutch. Whatever, dude. Christianity is for people that can't do it. Okay, it's a gurney. It's a wheelchair. It's the paddles. It's a heart transplant. It's the whole triage team. It's everything. I have no problem saying, "Oh yeah, dude. Are you kidding me? Do it on my own?" What? You're still trying that? Whoa. Crazy. See when you get around the humble track. <sighs> this guy, he, he'd been there. He acknowledged him as Lord and he worshipped him as such. Now, I just want you to focus on this, and hopefully it'll make application to somebody. It says that he said, Lord, are you if you're willing, make me clean. Verse 13. And then he put out his hand and he touched him. He said, I am willing. Semicolon, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. Jesus would say, I am willing. I do want you to be delivered, to get over this issue, this thing that's plaguing you, that's eating you up, that's tearing you apart, that's leaving you less than whole. You name it. I'll hold the Holy Spirit, put his finger on that thing. What is it? Fear? Maybe you're just a grump just a Christian grouch, Oscar the Christian grouch, or whatever, you know. Yeah, I just got this thing, God's like, hey, why? would you heal me, Lord? I'm, w- Be cleansed, he says. God is willing. His heart is that you would be cleansed, that you would be delivered from that addiction, from that habit, from that personality trait that you just don't know. He says, hey, my grace is sufficient for your needs today. Here's the problem with deliverance with sin and and issues like that and holiness is that you and i we get our our sights set too high we look too far lord would you deliver me from this issue are you willing lord and the lord says yeah i am willing you say well how long is it gonna last he says what are you worried about tomorrow for or the next day just do it today you want to be set free right now from from your addiction From from the lust, from the the, the pornography, from the stress, from the fear, from the thing, the stuff that's eating you? Yeah, I do. Lord, are you willing? And the Lord's like, well, I'm not sure if I'm quite willing. (laughs) Really? That's not the Lord's heart. He seeks the lost. He leaves the 99 to find the one. Where's the problem then? Where's the hang up? Where's the issue in our character? The imperative command has been given to you and to me. Just stop. Be cleansed. Right now, this moment. And then the next moment, do it again. And then the moment after, do it again. He is willing. His heart is for you. You're the one who, if he co-ops with you, you'll find yourself walking in that freedom. Without him, I can't. And without me, he won't. i got to keep reading here. I've got more stuff to say, but I'm running out of time. Verse 13, then he put his hand out and touched him, saying, I am... Willing, be cleansed, and immediately the leprosy left him. Now, what did that even look like? He's got this real skin issue, but this isn't just a topographical or topical skin issue. This is deep. Fingers gone, ears dissolved, eyes missing. The leprosy leaves him, and he's full restoration. Everything is put back, and the Bible tells us in Joel chapter 2 that God replaces the years that the locusts eat from us, that take from us. By the way, when this guy got touched, he's on his face. Lord, would you heal me? Would you, would you, are you willing? And he could have just, ex- he felt something. Did he just touch me? He touched me. And when he, this man, did you know that without physical touch, did you know that the human body actually dies? I mean, this is, we all know this. Without Early on, it's very, very important, physical touch. Just physical touch, just being held, hugged, touched, embraced. Okay? As an adult, as you get older, it doesn't change. You die eventually. You, it will kill you to not have physical interaction or physical touch. You'll lose your mind even more so. And Jesus ministers to this guy, reminding us and demonstrating to everyone else that he's the friend of sinners, he's near to the brokenhearted, that he picks up hitchhikers. Not all hitchhikers. (laughs) For you or for me. Use, Use discernment. Jesus touched this man. And I would just wonder how your heart is towards those who are full of leprosy or full of sin. Or how do you look at Jesus when you yourself become infected yet again? When you go on a jaunt or a journey in areas you shouldn't go. Oh, Lord, just speak something to me from a distance. He's like, no, I want to touch you. I love you. I love love you. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to pull these thorns out of your flesh, these issues you got in the cactus bush again. You did some stuff you shouldn't have done. Whatever the case is, I am willing. The leprosy leaves immediately. Now, I want you to see this so we don't, don't miss the context of the teaching. Verse 14, and he charged him to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. Now, why did he say don't tell everyone? We don't exactly know. Maybe there's a specific instance with this guy in that region. Most likely it's that Jesus didn't want to draw crowds at that time. He wasn't opposed to crowds, but he wasn't into them. He wasn't into the circus mentality. He didn't need to post everything that he did on Facebook and everything he was about on Instagram and have all these likes. And That wasn't his deal. As a matter of fact, Jesus, when describing himself, said, you know who I am? I am meek and lowly in heart. That's what I'm doing. I'm here ministering to people. So don't go tell everyone, bro. But instead he said, go to the high priest and present yourself to them. Make an offering and show yourself to them as a witness. It's very important that you see this. Jesus tells them this is what you should do, though, bro. He says, I want you to worship in the way that's been prescribed at this time for what I'm doing in your life. I want it to turn into an intimate time of worship and response when God changes you or touches you. Now, the temptation is in our culture when God does something cool or you read a devotional or a verse comes alive or an opportunity is presented to you to go right to social media and post it up and share it with everyone, isn't it? Okay, it's, just our, it's our culture. It's will share this with everybody. And the Lord says, that's, that's fine down the road, but you know what's going to have more impact? Is if you really just embrace this. And I think our Christianity has grown very shallow because we're quick to find something amazing or quick to do something great and grand. And then just it's fun sharing it and then seeing how everyone else responds. This is our culture, it's just weird. And the Lord say, I did that for you. You can share later. Okay. Right now though, you go worship me through this And I would tell you if you're a serious Christian If you're trying to grow in the Lord God's going to show you things To keep it to yourself for a season And let it incubate, let it plant Let it produce fruit And then not only will people be impressed by what's been going on in your life Which is something we need apparently But you'll actually be a changed person And that experience that you've gone through Or that nugget, that healing you've received It will be real It will take root For you who are truly trying to have character change, not just the appearance of character change, I know some stuff. (sighs) Wouldn't it be awesome to really be concerned about your character? I mean, so deeply. As a matter of fact, the very first, uh, my son was reading this this morning. He said, Dad, why did these two people die? He showed me his Bible. It was Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. He's like, why are they dead? You know, I was like, oh, okay, here we go. And and the main sin of Ananias and Sapphira wasn't lying or, or deceiving. They did both that. But the main sin of Ananias and Sapphira was hypocrisy. They, they wanted to appear more spiritual than they were. Anybody ever been guilty of that? I want you to think I'm more spiritual than I actually am. What, how about be more concerned about how spiritual you actually are? Oh, I just, if we spend as much energy on actually being concerned, am I really being spiritual right now? Am I really worshiping right now? Is this really that important to me and my God right now? Well, <laughs> the, the, the result of that then will be a true spirituality, rejoiced in by everybody. Well, this guy is instructed by Jesus. By the way, when you would go through this kind of cleansing ceremony, you would produce to the priest a sacrifice. It would be cut, and they would capture the blood, and they would then give it to God, but they would take some of that blood, listen, please, in this particular Leviticus chapter 14 and 16 type of cleansing. They would take that blood, and they would take a little bit of it, and they'd put it on your earlobe, and then they'd put a little bit on your thumb, then they'd put a little bit on your big toe if you had one still. This guy got all his back, apparently. His ears, big toe, all that came back. And they would then consecrate your ear to the Lord. All right. Lord, you did something crazy in my life. I'm going to listen to you. My ears are yours. And your thumb would be dedicated to the Lord and say, Lord, these hands are now yours. Something big has gone down. I'm going to serve you with these hands. And your big toe, that is where you walk and what you do and how you live. Lord, I'm dedicated to you. Jesus says, don't go tell anybody, bro. This is really cool. You got your ears back. Your eyeballs are back. You can go to American Eagle and get some new clothes, get rid of those zombie clothes, whatever. But before you do any of that, go to the priest. Process this deeply. Dedicate your life wholly. And you'll be be amazing. Well, this guy didn't do that. He actually did go, but he told everyone on the way. As a matter of fact, look at verse 15. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and a great multitude came together to hear and be healed by him of their infirmity. Stop right, their eyes up here. This guy's instructed by Jesus, go your way and don't tell anyone. What's he do? He goes his way and tells everyone. We've been instructed to go our way now and tell everyone, and we go our way and we don't tell what in the world's going on here <sighs> really it stems from that is your ability to share your desire to share your willingness to share stems from an understanding of the humility and the dedication that came through your pain at that moment of conception where you were born again like those hitchhikers getting in my car how? Huh? your preacher tell, tell us about that that doesn't make any sense oh well it starts on a bad day getting out of jail coming to the end of myself my Ears and eyes and nose had fallen off. What? You know, leprosy. And then you're humbled and you're committed to the Lord. And when you have that understanding, like this guy, he's so set free. Don't tell anybody, he's like, uh, I'll do my best. Look at me! Look at me! You know, freaks out. Set free. And I would just encourage you, be excited. If you've been set free, you know, you know, you had no hope. You just, I just need another week, Jesus. I'll pull us out of this tailspin. Just give me another try at my marriage, my relationship, my finances, my morality. I can do this, God. I don't need your help, but just, just give me one more lap around the track. And you're like, no, oh, dude. I was dying, uh, and the Lord saved me. And that's why I wear a shirt that says, Jesus is real. That's why I go to church. That's why I go to Cambodia. That's why I pick people up. It's why I do what I do. It's why I serve wherever, whenever, and however I can. This guy had that testimony, that experience. He went and told everyone. Notice that in verse 15, and I'm almost done. Great multitudes came together to hear him. The the word gets out. Here's Jesus. He's healing people. There's no copay. He doesn't take insurance. Just line up. You know, the guy's just going to touch you. You know, he's just going to do something. No two day follow up check with Jesus. He's going to come back. You're going to be just fine. And so all these people show up. Notice, though, primarily it says they show up to hear. And to be healed. It, I, I like that. Hearing is, is how we find healing. And hearing comes by the word of God. You guys get this. You know this. We're a Bible-believing church. We're a Bible-reading church. is what we do. Okay, if you're looking for a prescription right now in your ailment, something's wrong, you need healing today, something's out of whack, your marriage, your finances, your peace, your deal, okay, it starts right here in this book. I'm not messing with you. And you're like, if you've read it already, read it again. You ever get your prescription from the doctor? Like, here's your antibiotics. like, do I take like one or two of these? He's like, take them all, dummy. You ever taken half a prescription of antibiotics, you start to feel a little better, you know, and you throw that thing away, and all of a sudden you look in the mirror and your eyes are gone, ah, you know. (laughs) Did did, did you finish the bottle? No, I felt better, I moved on. No! So too, the prescription, the prescription. How are you feeling right now as a Christian? Well, I'm saved, I'm good. You reading the Bible? No. Do you feel healed and delivered and set free and optimistic and energetic and fired up and ready to go? No. Huh. Okay. there's your prescription right there. These guys showed up and they wanted to hear what he said. Now just check this out, last verse, last thought. This is about Jesus. It says, so he, this is his response, the lines are growing, the demand is increasing, the responsibility is getting tougher. Well, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. We've seen this twice now in the lifestyle of Jesus. Where he on purpose pours himself out. He is a renegade of mercy and love. Touching people he shouldn't touch. Going places he shouldn't go. Doing things he shouldn't do. Expending energy like no one else. And then what's he do? He disappears so no one can find him. And he goes into the wilderness and he prays. Jesus not only took care of the leper, but he took care of himself. You ministry leaders, you moms, dads, you business owners, you people, you guys who don't want to just pass out on the track of life you got to do this. Make this a priority. I want to take care of people. Cool, take care of yourself first. And I've had men and women come to me and say, I want to serve in the Sunday school. I want to serve. I want to be on the board. I want to be an elder. I want to be a pastor. And the first thing I do, I say, well, how's your, how's your self-care? How's your home life? Is there, if everything there's you know being taken care of and there's hiddenness, a hidden secretness, then yeah, let's move forward in this conversation. And I would just say that Jesus did it. You ought to do it. If Jesus had to do it, if he prioritized prayer and quiet time, this is, again, I, I like talking about this because I'm not the best at this. Yeah, I'm a pretty responsible guy. I can handle stuff, and I can handle pressure. Jesus said, I was more responsible than you, Luke, and I had more pressure than you, Luke, and you know how I did it? Quiet time. I went away. I sought the Lord. I was intimate with him in order to be prepared for what's next. I wanted to teach both of these stories together in tandem. The next story, Jesus heals a paralytic. These first two stories out of the gate, got my bullies with me. Let's go catch some fish. Let's go catch some men. Cool. How's that going to go? Paralyzed guys, leprous guys, herding guys, ministry-needing guys. What? That sounds tough, Jesus. Yeah, we're going to need to do a lot of resting and praying. What? We're going to need hoodies. Maybe. 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 You're definitely going to need prayer. You're going to need my word. You're going to need to walk with me. I'm going to have the worship team come up actually and lead us in a time of response now. And I would just say this if you're here this morning, and you are, a couple things. Your homework assignment is 2 Kings chapter 5. I'll tell you the story, but I want you to read it. There's a man who had leprosy named Naaman, he wasn't a believer. But he had a problem, leprosy And the Bible tells us that God had compassion and empathy on him And a certain servant that worked for him Knew that there was a God who healed And that certain servant gave word to him and said If you would just take your leprosy to the man of God, you'd be healed So he did so And he went to the man of God with his issue This Naaman, the Syrian commander And he took his issue to the man of God And the man of God told him, here's what I want you to do I want you to go to the Jordan River, take off all your clothes, and get in once, and get back out, and then get in twice and get back out. Get in the third time and get back out. Get in four times and get back out. Get in. It sounds like a circus here at this point, you know what I'm saying? Like a rated R circus. Take all your clothes off and get in. You know, and get in here five, six, and he gets mad. I'm Not doing that. That's crazy talk. Number one, the Jordan River's filthy. There's all kinds of rivers where I'm from that are clean and I could bathe in. If that's all. Number two, he says, if I had to go do something hard, something difficult, something valiant, I would do that. But to expose myself and to do something as foolish as getting in the water seven times, and he leaves, I don't want any part of this. He says, I don't want any part of this. This is crazy. And he leaves. He'd driven thousands of miles to get there, and he leaves. And one of his servants that works for him says, hey, bro, I know I might die by saying this. But we came all this way you want to just give it a try we won't look we'll close our eyes go ahead strip down and get in just do what he said it might work (sighs) and through his pain he'd been around the humble track he what am i what i I can't i can't go back with nothing and so naaman went to the jordan river and there it was it didn't make any sense took all his clothes off he resisted the Lord, but now he's looking to the Lord and eventually he obeyed the Lord And he got in the first time and came back out nothing second time nothing third He did it seven times when he came back out the seventh time (gasps) The Bible says that his skin was restored to him like that of a baby's like a youth And he was so humbled and so dedicated That he began to worship the Lord right there right then and he gave his life to the Lord He heard about the Lord He needed the Lord He resisted the Lord He obeyed the Lord And he ended up serving the Lord And I would just say If you're here today Whatever your issues, your, your thing that's eating you up Your thing that's plaguing you Deal with it today I'd rather just go do it somewhere else Well, oh, I understand I'd rather do it my way I get it I get it I don't really want to expose myself I don't want anyone to know what's going on I don't want to come up forward And have one of these people pray for me I don't want that I get it Don't leave here today Without having somebody touch you Lay hands on you You can stay here all day You can come to the next service Let me pray for you That the Lord would heal you and set you free Change you from the inside out Is he willing to heal me? Yes, I am willing Now be healed Be cleansed. Be forgiven. And you, like Naaman, will have restoration. You, like this unnamed man in an unnamed city, will have a story to say, I don't know all the details, but I saw Jesus, and he touched me. Oh, he touched me. He changed my life forever. Forever and ever. And every time I go to this book, he touches me again. He changes me again. It's crazy. I don't get it. But I do get it. It's mine to get. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Father, in Jesus' name now, I pray your radical healing touch, Lord, your ministry, Lord, miraculous power, that even right now you would begin to touch people. That, Lord, if there's somebody here that maybe needs a hand laid on them, just from even the back row, somebody behind them, just raise your hand right now. If you need someone to just touch you, someone just to pray for you, just in silence, raise your hand right now. If you need someone just to minister to you, just to reach out and touch you, we do this by faith. Just raise your hand. If you see somebody raising their hand, just reach out. Touch their shoulder. Lord, we do this. Asking for your healing, for your touch, Lord, for your deliverance. As we come to the table of communion, just raise your hand right now. If you need deliverance from something, humble yourself. Whether it's fear or grouchiness or sin, that sin, that it won't go away. It won't until he touches you. Until he heals you Let him do it Let him do it Raise your hand up if you need someone to touch you Someone to just pray for you Lord I'm praying for all those who raise their hand right now In Jesus name that you would minister to them That you would deliver them right now Lord you are willing be cleansed And may it happen in Jesus name by the power of God, for the glory of God and may we Lord respond by telling everybody that we see and everybody that we know And may we make it ours personally first and worship even this morning as we come to the table and trust you Lord we need you we trust you we expect you and now we come to the table Lord where that blood of the lamb was spilled cleansing us from all of our sins. May you impact us and even consecrate our ears and our thumbs and our toes to you. Thank you, Jesus, for your kindness and your love. Be blessed now as we come to the table. We trust you for all these things. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.